It's another Sunday night in comedy, and tonight we run the gambit from a friend of the show who went from an online crowd to a live global tour, a veteran Canadian comic on the front lines of Los Angeles craziness, and an actor on a mission to put his comedy roots on the silver screen. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And as always, streaming out coast-to-coast, Canada-wide on the Global News Radio Network, and of course, everywhere where you have Tay Internets. Brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. We have a full panel tonight. We've got an actor with a new comedy movie. We've got a veteran stand-up out in L.A. with a brand new album talking about what it's been like living in America the last few years. There's a lot to get into and unpack there. And first up, a friend of the show who has joined us many times over the years, who is now, finally, after building his own online audience, embarking on an actual live global tour. We're talking theaters all over the place. He's gone from digital to packed houses. Of course, we have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. How are you doing this week, buddy? Hey, doing all right. Summer is fast approaching. All good things are coming up, man. Summer is here. Of course, I mean, hopefully by the time we hit the air tonight, uh, it's a beautiful night here in Toronto and live shows and outdoor festivals are coming today, recording in the studio. It's a rainy day in Toronto, but we have the bright cheeriness, Vince, of a full panel of comedy. We've got new albums. We've got a global tour. We've got a brand new movie hitting the screens everything tonight once again it's a full gambit here on inside jokes it is lights camera action right here first up we have an old friend of the show who has gone over the years from building a mass online audience he was he, he started his career in the digital world Back when, you know, this was way pre-pandemic, when a lot of comics were really still hadn't figured that out yet and kind of thumbed their nose at it. But he has now parlayed that into coming back post-pandy in a huge way with an actual live global tour. We're talking theater shows here in Toronto and also branching out all over the map. We got Giuseppe, the MC, on the line with us right now. How are you doing, man? Hey, guys. What's going on? This is, I mean, you know, we, we spoke to you a couple of times Throughout the last couple of years during the pandemic, when obviously, you know, live venues were kind of on pause and would stop and start again. And for a while there, you were kind of like on the sidelines going, I'm not really sure what to do with all this, which is interesting because, you know, the first time we had you in studio back in those simpler times, it was all <laughs> about the online world with your comedy. That's where you came from. You were one of those comics early on who you started there and you cut your teeth in that in that forum and built your audience completely on an online platform. Now you're coming back to live shows with an actual, you're doing a theater tour, man. You're like, you're selling out a theater here in Toronto. You're in Australia. You're literally all over the place. You did the opposite of what a lot of comics have had to figure out the last couple of years, really. You know why you're, you're actually, uh, you're right. You know, when I, when I started my comedy career, it's, it's just over seven years. I just hit the seven year mark in May. Um, I had started my, I had my first theater show before I had online, but it wasn't whatever, but my buildup to get around the world was through my uh, online presence. Yeah. 
And it's funny you said that over the two years, uh, while everybody else was trying to get online, I'm like, no, I'm going to sit back and just watch the show. I had, you know, nice <laughs> buckets of popcorn and watch everybody else. I'm like, no, I'm going to uh, lay back and lay low. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, pre-pandemic, I took a lot of things for granted, as we all did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I was doing, I was uh, spreading myself out thin. I was, I was uh, doing shows here, doing shows there. And uh, which was great. I had to work. I'm so grateful I had to work and, and the opportunities to, to travel and to do a lot of things local. Uh, but, you know, when the carpet was pulled out from underneath all of us, right, uh, two years ago, uh, and all my shows were getting canceled and my uh, all the events that I was emceeing was, were getting canceled. I said, if, if I come back, uh, I, I, I wanted to do online, but I didn't because, you know, I, I just... You know, as a comedian, you know, you need an audience. You, you need to feel the room. And I just yeah. didn't feel that doing comedy online was where I needed to be. Uh, but kudos to everybody who did it because, man, they entertained so many people. Uh, but I said, okay, if I'm going to come back, I'm going to do something big. Kind of like this Giuseppe 2.0, change my hairstyle, as you, as you noticed, and I can finally fit in the screen properly. And, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, I got this idea that I've had for four years. I went to see, I saw Sebastian Maniscalco. I've seen him perform five, six times, but uh, you know, the first time I saw him was in a, a theater, uh, which was a very respectful 700 seater. And the next time I saw him was in front of 19,000 people at yeah. the Scotiabank arena. And I remember I had uh, gone to that show and I happened to get, uh, second row seating. So I'm heading down to the my seat. And, you know, at this point in my career, this was 2018. People kind of knew who I was, I guess, at this point. And so some of the, you know, and, you know, when you're, when you're watching Sebastian Maniscalco in Toronto, you, you can pretty much guarantee there's at least 80% of the room is Italian, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just because, right? Yes, yeah, so I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> as, as he said uh, on stages, I can smell the cologne from here, right? So, uh, I, I was I I started hearing people calling out my name, and so they thought I was performing because I was actually beelining to the second row, but it wasn't. I was just going to go have a seat. Yeah, and I don't know. My head started to swell up, and I started to think, man, I, I think I want to do this. I want to do. I want to do Scotia Bank Arena. And I and the four years ago, I had it in my head, and and I didn't even watch the show. Like I watched it. But all I did was I sat there and I calculated, how, how am I going to fill an arena? How am I going to do this? How am I going to yeah. sell 19,000 seats? I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't need to sell 19,000 seats. I just need to find 19 people to sign me, sell me 1,000 seats. Mm-hmm. And then it's been in my head ever since. And then from that point, then I went on tour and I was doing that because I had a lot of things in plan. And then when the pandemic hit and everything was pulled from me, I had nothing to do. So for a year, I just like wallowed and like, what am I doing? I had to go back to work. I had to, I had to start working again, right? And then I said, okay, if I'm going to come back and do something big, and for the past seven months now, I've been planning, and officially on Friday, I announced that uh, I'm doing my first arena show, uh, my first arena show, which is not the Scotiabank Arena. <laughs> it's not but we'll get there. I mean, no, but this is, you know, you a lot of, what a lot of people finally figured out the last couple of years 
is exactly what you were already doing. You, you know, you didn't, you didn't go the old way of sort of figuring out your voice and your persona and all that in, in little open mics, you built this online forum and built an audience. And that's who now follows you to these live shows. And that's how you got to this theater thing. A lot of the audiences we're seeing streaming out now after two years of lockdowns is exactly that. It's people who have been watching content at home, listening to albums, streaming things online, going, I want to go to live stuff. I've never done this before. You kind of already had that built in. You sort of rigged the system. And by the way, one thing that you mentioned that we have to point out to our listeners at home who have caught you on this show over the years, it really is kind of a rebrand for you. It's Giuseppe 2.0. You had a very trademark look. You always had this huge, massive pompadour. The, the hairdo was a whole part of the style and the sort of onstage persona. You almost had the Quebec comedy thing where you were sort of this larger-than-life persona. I feel like this tour is sort of a more, you know, you did a sort of rebrand. Your look has changed. Your material, you know, kind of grows and evolves over time as life does for comics. Okay. I feel like this tour is sort of a more personal, close-to-the-chest approach for you, too. You know what? It, uh, it is, because now... You know, when I ha- always had the hair, you know, everybody knew always oh, the comic with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I respect I that. I, I know people were coming out and coming to enjoy the shows, but, you know, maybe they're coming out to see the spectacle of it all. Like, you know, okay, this guy, you know, you know whoever this guy is. And now I'm relying more. I mean, look, I still have a wild, it's not so much right now, but usually I, I poof it out a bit more and the sparkles and, and the whole nine yards. But I'm trying to say, okay, are they coming out for me or are they coming out for my hair? So, you know, yeah. I said, okay, let me, let's, uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, let's uh, test that out by uh, doing an arena show and seeing if, uh, if they'll, they'll actually come on and enjoy the show. And I, and, I, and I hope they will. I think over the past few years, everybody's itching to, to get out to different shows. This year has, now that things have opened up, a lot of my peers out there who are just rocking it right now, they're out there and they're doing shows and they're doing absolutely fantastic. They're entertaining everybody. And I'm still sitting back. Because I'm like, okay, I'm going to let everybody get, get out of their system in 2022. What yeah. am I going to come, come into with 2023? Because if not, I feel like we're all going to be competing for the same audience, right? So, okay, maybe in 2023, it'll be like, it'll, it'll, uh, people will relax a little bit. And now I can come at them with my show, which, you know, my show, the Serena show, uh, which is going to be at the Paramount Fine Food Center. Sorry if I'm plugging that right now, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a 6,000 seater. Uh, arena uh it's where the raptors 905 play the yeah. you know the fun team for the raptors and the and saga still and uh it's actually i announced it on june 10th a couple of days ago and it's going to be on june 10th of 2023 so i have a full year of marketing just for this uh, one show and hopefully people will come out and enjoy there you go and giuseppe by the way again huge congrats because i mean to parlay that into listen you watched maniscalco and you go i want to get there you got there man so i mean and of course, you're you're also branching out. You you've got dates in Australia. You're performing this year uh, here in Toronto. You are part of this year's Taste of Little Italy. You will be or Taste of Italy. You'll be performing there. Uh, but also, where can our listeners at home get tickets for this theater show and pack this place and follow all your stuff online? Oh, you know what? I uh, they can go on two ways. They can go straight on Ticketmaster and look up Giuseppe the MC, uh, or my website GiuseppeTheMC.com. Perfect. There we go. And again, congrats, man. I mean, it's kind of seen your career change over the years ever since you first joined us back in studio. And back then, again, it was sort of a hot button issue where a lot of comics went online. That's not a real who's laughing now. <laughs> it's you guys. Hopefully that built that. Together. You yeah. know, I mean, now you have this online audience and you're filling theaters. So for us watching you over the years, it's fantastic to see 
folks, grab your tickets for that show. Catch Giuseppe here in Toronto. And of course, check his upcoming dates. Giuseppe, thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for always supporting me over these years. I've been on the show many times and uh, you've given me and all my peers voice and I really appreciate it. We lot. love it. We love it. Hey, That's man. what it's all about. Hey guys, it's Giuseppe the MC. You're listening to me on Inside Jokes and I hope to see you at my show at the Paramount Fine Food Center, June 10th, 2023. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and of course everywhere on the planet where you have Tay Internets on Global News Online. Thank you again to Giuseppe DMC. Check out the upcoming dates for his global tour. But now we're switching gears. We are flipping it over to the West Coast. Out in LA, we have a veteran Canadian expat with an all new album that I feel like there's quite a bit to unpack in this album. Uh, a lot of interesting things have gone on in the world in the last few years, and especially stateside. Out in LA, we have Canada's own Leslie Seiler. How are you doing today? Oh, I am fantastic. How are you doing? We're great. I mean, it's, you know, it, you 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 were, of course, you were a working comic here in Canada. You came from Halifax. You worked your way up on the Toronto scene. You, you moved out to LA right at the very onset of the Trump era. And it's kind of funny because it's like, nobody saw that coming and everybody everybody looking at that was going okay this is the craziest the world can get it's never gonna get any more bizarre than this and oh boy were we wrong for like the next five or six years after that we were so wrong <laughs> when i think in uh, 2020 when the tanks started rolling through the streets of la during the blm protests yep. and in the wake of george floyd and it was covid peak covid we yeah. were like this is crazy we i i never in my life thought that i'd be experiencing this so yeah it's so i mean you know la already is a colorful town i mean it's mm -hmm. you know it's tinsel town that's where people go oh, to yeah. make it and it's the hub of so much comedy and acting and showbiz and all that it's already a vibrant place filled with sort of larger than life personalities but with so much like la has really been such an epicenter of so much of these overlapping things i mean you had the mm. trump era you had race riots in the streets you had climate meltdowns you had a global pandemic and la was really at the focal point of so and still is of so oh, much yeah. of that stuff uh for you as a comic i mean obviously you know the lockdowns and pandemic kind of put a pause on a lot of the work that mm -hmm. people would do in a lot of the live shows and stuff but for you as a comic i mean watching all of this just surrealness happening all around you how much are you just chomping at the bit going like i have to talk about this i have to get out there and talk right now oh every day and every <laughs> as i was waiting to start this interview i just i was writing a new bit for a show next week because i was like well i gotta talk about this and now there's this and it's just also the forest fires we forgot about that that's very yeah. LA as well the fires keep coming um yeah it's been uh again crazy insane um it it makes you every day you're right it's hard to keep up with the jokes and the things that you want to talk about because again when you're making these jokes you're not making fun of these things you're trying to just like hold up a mirror to the world and go this is crazy and of course yeah. that breaks the tension right that's what we do that's what comics do is that we say let's look at the world around us and how nuts it is. Um, and let's have a laugh, because if we don't laugh, uh, we cry, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so ongoing too. I mean, you yeah. know, as comics, everybody we've had on, on, on this panel lately is kind of like, we had about a five second moment where everybody sort of took a deep breath and went, okay, the lockdowns are over after two years. 
let's get back to live shows. Let's reopen the clubs, festivals, tours, albums, all that stuff. And that lasted a second. And then it's like, ah, but hold on. There's a new war. There's a new that like. Oh my God. Honestly. Yeah, totally. And a new variant. Don't forget those variants. Um, yeah, it's been, here's what's interesting actually though about the lockdown for me is that there were those uh, virtual open mics, which again, any comic knows what a nightmare. Just yeah. talking into a computer, <laughs> hearing no laughter, you know, trying out material for your screen. Um, but what it gave me the opportunity to do was to write because there was yeah. nothing else to do. And so I actually started doing those. Op- That's what how this whole album was written because I, I could just sit at every night at seven o'clock, jump on an open mic, jump on another one at nine from my bedroom and just kind of like keep talking about these things and see how people were reacting to it. Even if it's just other, and it's always just other comics. Um, but it was a real opportunity to, to take that time to sit back and like really write stuff uh, and really work it. So that was interesting. Um, do I want to get back on stage? Oh, a hundred percent. And every show that I've done back live since they've come back has been like, you, you just, you just go, Oh God, yes, this is it. Oh, this feels so good. Right. Um, both being on stage and talking to the people after, cause it's all about this like shared experience that we're going through, right? Like yeah. everything that you've just talked about, like the whole world is going through all of this together. So it's so like interesting and almost like I'm comforting to get out there and talk to other people and be like, yeah, we're all in this together, even though it feels like we've been isolated for a long time. It kind of does. And I mean, it was certainly one of those industries that got, you know, leveled particularly hard. Everything you do is based on being in a room with people in an intimate setting and connecting with them. So that was out the window. It's as a Canadian too. And I mean, as a comic, you have a very you have sort of a laser focused viewpoint that, you know, most people don't get to have because you, you know, you're an observer and you channel this stuff into material. But it's interesting because as a Canadian comic living and working in LA, it's gotta be such a different vantage point from the rest of us. Cause right now as Canadians, we're just kind of up here looking at everything on a daily basis, like really since 2016 that's going on next door and going, what is happening? It's like a tire fire down there because you know, America was always, especially for Canadian comics, America was always sort of this big holy grail. It was like, mm-hmm. that's, we look up to them. That's where we want to go. That's what we want to either emulate here at home or just try and go there. Now we're sort of standing back and going, you had the Trump era, you had race rights, you have the climate, you have war, pandemic, you have the ongoing, and I mean, it's horrifying and sad, but the ongoing gun problem, that's the thing. For you living and working there, being inside that, how sort of do, like does America still feel the same for you? Does it still have that sense of like anything is possible? This is m- where my career needs to be. Like, do you still have that sort of love of American life that you had before all this? Like, do you see a, a sense of optimism in there as a comic? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because you're right. It's very different when you plan on coming here to when you get here, and you kind of you kind of go, oh, it's it's definitely harder than I thought it would be. Not that I thought it wouldn't be hard, but I was like, oh, this is harder than I thought, especially since I was relatively at least making a living successful right back in Canada. So now yeah. you're like, oh, now I'm waitressing again. What's happening right now, right? <laughs> These kinds of things. Um, but I think uh, how it feels definitely, yeah, living here, the first thing I realized is, oh, as Canadians, I think we think that America and Canada are 
like each other a lot and they are culturally very different. Yeah. But we yeah. think they're the same from film and TV and just that they're our neighbors or you might go on vacation here and just think that it's the same. But until you live here and you really feel the divisiveness, is that the word? Divisiveness? Yeah. <laughs> pardon, my, <laughs> pardon my emphasis. But um, <laughs> until you until you really feel that, um, it's so palpable here and has only gotten worse since 2016. So certainly to answer your question, does it feel different? Um, since I didn't live here before that, I can't speak to that, but definitely it is palpable. It's, there's a lot of tension. Um, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult to, um, it's difficult to not go, oh, why did we move here? I think, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> yeah. the bottom line. Um, and it, but your question was, is there optimism at the end? And I, I think, oh, I think I'm just such an optimistic person that in general, I think, of course, um, you know, there are good humans out there, um, no matter what country we are in. And it's not the person to person, it's kind of the culture that's been created in, I think, this country that is very much based on themselves first, great pride in their country, which not isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can when yeah. it clouds other things. Um, so that, yeah, that's been very interesting. Um, also very insular. They really, they, sorry, many Americans I've met, I won't, so, um, just do not really have a grasp of, of the outside world. So many have never traveled outside their own country. And I, that this is the first place I've been where I've met so many people in their fifties, sixties, who they've never left their own country. And I think that's very interesting and can help you understand how some of the cultural isms and, and things happen here. Yeah. Yeah, that's been very, very interesting. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, uh, yes, I'm optimistic. I'm still a comedian. I still want to make people laugh. I don't think all is lost, but I'm never giving up my Canadian passport. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Good for you, girl. <laughs> never. Well, you know what? We talked to a lot of Canadian comics in New York and, and especially in L.A. during this who kind of said the same thing. I mean, Deborah mm -hmm. Giovanni early on in the pandemic, she was like, yeah. you know what? I love LA. This is where I work and I live, but I've never felt more patriotic about home than I do right now. And I mean, it is true because as Canadians, I mean, we always look up to and admire the States because it is such a cultural behemoth. It is such like, and for us as their neighbors, I think the feeling right now is we look at all of the things going on there and we go, no, we really need, we want, we want you guys to fix that. We need, we need America to be America. We need that we there. We need it to be healed and, and put back together again. Absolutely. 100%. And you're so right that um, we, yeah, we're so close and, and, and there are ways in that we're similar and you're right. We do need, need, we need to work with them and be beside them and live beside them. Um, and then it, it was funny when you said that the person you were speaking to was so patriotic. Absolutely. I, I have never posted more and put in my act to stuff about being Canadian, which again, you have to be careful because Americans, if they don't like one thing, it's self-deprecating comedy. They don't like themselves being made fun of. So you have to be right. real careful, especially if they find it on Canadian because then they're like, how dare you? Right. Yeah. You have, to, you have to be careful, but there's lots of fodder there, you know, for sure, for sure. How has the, I mean, have you felt... Because again, you got there, you got there pre-pandemic for a few years pre-pandemic. Yes. So the comedy scene still very much was what it was, but you came at a cultural time when, you know, we were just entering the Trump era and all the things that were going to come along with that. Like, yeah. it's almost like we stepped in a bizarre time warp. It's like Nazis are a thing again. And there's oh. the North yeah. and South, like the Mason Dixon line is like a geographical point to get like it's it felt like we went back to the 50s now russia's the bad guy again like it really oh. feels like we've stepped back in time for you has 
has the LA, I mean, pandemic aside, obviously that changed everything industry-wide, but has, does the LA scene right now feel different to you than it did when you first got there? Um, it, it not, not, re- to be honest, not, not really, not yet, but maybe it's because I haven't been truthfully back into it that much yet is, is, is the truth of it. It definitely feels like people have more to talk about. I think I can say that, yeah. <laughs> right? Like certainly. And it feels like um, from the, the shows that I have been a part of thus far, it's people are either really going for it or avoiding completely. Like it kind of feels like there's two schools of thought happening right now where some yeah. comedians are like, let's talk about it, let's face it, let's, let's, let's do this. And then others are like, I'm just gonna do marriage jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to touch that. So I, so maybe, maybe it is different then in that way. Maybe now that you've, you've said that and I'm reflecting on it. Um, and I think that people, um, it, it, it is also interesting because I think now I am very aware that yeah. when I'm on stage there, I could do a joke that um, is, you know, whatever you want to call it, left-leaning liberal-esque. And there could be a you know, a MAGA wearing hat guy in the front row. So yeah. like, you're just aware of it. So is def- that definitely is different for sure. It is so true too. I mean, we, you know, I mean, in this new album, Check for Snakes, you you mm-hmm. do get into a lot of this stuff. And we're now just finally seeing this, the, the way comics have tackled all of these, you know, this mm-hmm. multi-layers of topics that have been piled on us the last couple of years. It's interesting to see the sort of art that is just now coming out of this era and what comics are, because ta- you're so right. A lot of people it's a divided school of thought where it's like a lot of people are like, I'm a comic. I have to address all of these things. Cause that's what we do. And there's a lot of other people who are like, we've been stuck at home for two and a half years inundated with this stuff all over social media and all over the news. We need yeah. to do anything, but <laughs> like get back to life and make people just laugh and forget about this stuff. Uh, so I do love seeing the fact that you have this album that you do approach this stuff. Mm-hmm. but it's still just very much your voice and you're also still just kind of going and doing what you would normally do in your career and, and finding a way to just channel all this into laughter, which is what it's supposed to be. On the exactly. First 100%. And again, I do touch on some of the, the COVID sort of topics in my experience. Um, but then it's also couched with just here's other uh, true observations that are personal and true to me that are, are just darn funny like all the stuff about snakes which is in the title of the album there you go Um, Uh, what's with the title check for snakes oh yes okay so uh so i do literally talk about i do have a a a bit about snakes but in general i think obviously the best uh comedy comes from your own specific tilted view on everything right like we all have our own point of view on things so in essence the entire album is me looking at all of these things that has happened during the pandemic to me personally and to the world around and going like this is my angle this is what bugs me about it so it's kind of titles meant to be reflective of like this is as as dean as you said like this is leslie's take on what's gone down and what's happening and what it feels like to be here um and also what it feels like to be a waiter in a chain restaurant like that's also (laughs) that's that's my big closer because that was very real that was pre-pandemic yeah but it happened and uh and it was awful so there we go uh before we let you go leslie where can all of our listeners find you online uh and of course get this album check for snakes yes absolutely you can go right to lesliesiler.com um and it's it's all there but you can also follow me on instagram which is just at leslie siler i don't get too fancy there's not too many people with my name so i'm easy to find but lesliesiler.com will take you right there's lots of buttons to click there to uh, to get right to the album so that's the best place to check it out Excellent. Perfect. Leslie, thank you so much. Glad to hear you are safe and sound in LA and that that scene is coming back to life for all of our listeners. 
get that album check for snakes and check out leslie seiler live now that we're getting back into it thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me everybody stay safe thank you stay safe we'll talk to you soon everybody this is leslie seiler coming to you from los angeles you are listening to inside jokes and i hope that it makes you laugh because we gotta laugh or we cry Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! Brought to you by Hakeem Optical, because the world is stuck in 2020, and now your vision can be too. Thank you again to Leslie Seiler out in LA. Don't forget to check out that new album, Check for Snakes, because there's a lot of comedy to get into, from Trump all the way up until whatever the hell it is we're living in now. I have no idea. We're gonna flip it back home, though. We got a returning guest to the show. Last time he was on was last year. Lizzie, he's not just a touring working comic, he's a bit of a renaissance man. He's a jack of all trades, he's holding it up right now. But last year he was promoting a book that he wrote. He wrote a novel, which was, it was like a pulp novel that dipped into the world of stripping. So there's a lot and of- chess. And chess. And chess. Stripping and chess. Uh, so I mean, last year he was a novelist. Now he has a brand new film coming out that he wrote. So we have Kevin Christopher on the line. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing amazing. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I love this because, you know, a lot of comics during the last couple of years were just kind of like, hurry up and wait. They were like, oh, everything's on pause. Okay. Oh, I can perform again. Okay. You just kind of, you were just were like, to hell with it. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a screenplay and get that filmed and produced. And here we go. So now you have this new film coming out, The Man from Philadelphia, which... It is a little bit of a wink to Kevin Hart's upcoming man from Toronto in a way, right? Title-wise, at least. A hundred percent in a way. It's, it's, um, I'm gunning for him, man. I'm not even going <laughs> to hide it anymore. I used to hide it. I used to say, no, what are you talking about? It has nothing to do with Kevin Hart. Now I'm saying it is directly related to Kevin Hart. because, And I'm upset with Kevin Hart because he changed the date of his release date. And now it's forced my hand and I got to release my movie as soon as he does too, because I don't want to release after him. Cause if I release after him, then I'm a fan film. I got to release yeah. at the same time. And go, so, just go for the jugular. It is funny too. Cause what is with Kevin Hart and the Canadian stuff? I mean, the man from Toronto, it's Kevin Hart. Like we've talked about it on this show a lot of times over the years. He was the one comic that would go to JFL every summer and just green light every Canadian comic. He'd be like, yep. Putting you on TV, putting you on TV, putting you on TV. He's American. Always had Canadians just that, don't so. do that. 
he did Just for Laughs at the Toronto Yuck Yucks a long time ago before he was yeah. like even a big name. And I remember seeing him because he had a movie called uh, uh, Soul Plane. And he was at the Yuck right. and he had no security around him. He was just hosting, just a regular comic. And uh, I remember, I knew who he was. So I remember looking at him like, I know who that guy is. He's from that movie Soul Plane. And he was standing there, but he's he's a bit shorter than me. So he kind of looked at me, looking at him through the corner of his eye. And he was just like, okay, I'm getting out of here. And I was like, no, man, I was just trying to say, what's up, man? I wasn't trying to grill you. I guess because my, my stare stare is kind of like, it's kind of like thuggish. So I don't know if you I'm got a resting bitch face that. stare? What's that? You got a resting bitch face there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. <laughs> it's more admiration, but it looks kind of like, what kind of, where's his wallet at? More Kevin like, Hart is shorter than everybody. Yeah, so, he, I was going to yeah. say, he's not a bit shorter than you. He's, he's, yeah, he's shorter you know. than everybody. Yeah. There's like a slide whistle following him around. That's He's that short, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> what, so what, I mean, yeah, obviously you saw his title and you went, I'm, that's it, man. I'm putting mine out too. What is a little bit of what Man from Philadelphia is all about, though? Because we were talking during the break about what sort of the concept behind Kevin Hart's film is. But what's what is what is this screenplay all about? Because once again, you just you're a, co- a working comic who's just like, oh, I haven't done a movie yet. I'm just gonna go ahead and do that. <laughs> that's crazy. Technology is different now. You know what I mean? You could just buy cameras and do your own thing. Like back in the day, you could VHS cameras weren't really equipped to film a proper movie. Like it would be all shaky and stuff. So yeah. we bought some uh, Canon cameras and the, the quality looks pretty good. But the man from Philadelphia is about an entertainment business manager who uh, he gets fired from his manager managerial duties of a boy band and so he goes okay i'm gonna get two new artists and i'm gonna take those artists and i'm gonna make them even bigger than you guys right but then calamity ensues and he ends up back in the same position and he's like oh forget it then i don't need to be no artist management and stuff like that and yeah but the difference between this movie and every other movie is that my character is the only character that speaks through the whole movie like, okay yeah there's nobody no else talking talks. Words? what's that there's no other talking parts no, because uh, it's almost a silent film. It's just it's not it's not like a narrator. I'm not narrating. I'm just dialoguing. It's like how I'm talking to you guys right now. There's a part where he plans a heist. So he's like planning a heist. and He's telling everybody how it's going down. And people are just always listening. Right. Like he's 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 talking to his artists and he's telling them like what is what his business is like. So he's just explaining. Then he gets arrested and he says, hey, I did that because of this. And he's explaining that. Then he's in the witness. Uh, he's in the. You know that interrogation room? He's in the interrogation room. He's just blabbering, yeah. blabbering. So it's a whole bunch of scenes where he's just talking, talking, talking. But nobody else talks in the movie. Just my character. Now, Kevin, this wasn't shot in Philadelphia. Well, I mean, his movie is not shot in Toronto. It's shot in Toronto, but it's supposed to take place in New York. I mean... Okay. very confusing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, do you try to make it look like Philadelphia? Do you have like... Tried, but it was, you know, budget restraints and the Sea Tower is so no big. Rocky montage where you <laughs> run up the library steps, but it's really City Hall? Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Just wanted yeah. to clarify that. I, I, I wanted to shoot in Philadelphia, but you know, COVID and restrictions. Yeah. yeah, that's the reason. Yeah. I, I mean, Toronto that. always, <laughs> Toronto always jet- gets used as uh, Chicago because they look the exact same. I, there's a show on HBO right now called Station Eleven, and the show takes place in Chicago, even though it was a book written by a Canadian author that took place in Toronto. And to right. film the show, they filmed it in Toronto, but wow. changed it to Chicago because it's American. It's like, it's always it's always confusing. This city is one big identity crisis. Yeah. New York light. All right, we're going to come back with Kev, more Kevin Christopher, who he's not just a comic. He is a jack of all trades. Next year, he'll probably have... 
a TV show or something. I have no idea. We're going to come back. A rap album. <laughs> a, new, a new album, something. Kevin Christopher will be right back, right here on Inside Jokes. This is Kevin Christopher, and you're listening to Inside Jokes to hear all about the beautiful man from Philadelphia movie by me coming out soon. Come for you, Kevin Hart. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. It is lights, camera, action. We are talking to comedian, novelist, actor, screenwriter, all-around comedy renaissance man, Kevin Christopher, who has a new upcoming film, The Man from Philadelphia, which, again, last year during one of the lockdowns, we were talking to you about publishing a book. So you are a very busy guy. By the way, this film, Man from Philadelphia, where did the concept of being a boy band manager come from? Because that's funny. That's kind of a nod to a different era. Now it's all, well, I guess there's K-pop, whatever that is. But yeah. I thought it was funny. The It wasn't funny. Sorry, I shouldn't use the term funny. But I just found it interesting, the NSYNC story. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, like the their manager was, he was a, he flew planes. And then he was flying a plane. And then he goes, where do these young kids get all this money from to rent my plane? Like, so he starts talking to the kids who was like uh, Backstreet Boys and they go, we're blow- we-, we sing songs, we sing. And he goes, so anybody could do this? And then he just starts, you know, casting for boy bands in, in Orlando. And next thing you know, he creates boy, he creates NSYNC. And yeah. then to compete with his own band, he creates uh, the other group. I forget the name. Was he 98 other. Degrees? No, it was, was it 98 Degrees? There's NSYNC and there's another one. Maybe... Maybe it's 98 Degrees, yeah. There's Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, and 98 Degrees. Oh, he also created Backstreet Boys? Yes. Is it Backstreet Boys? Yes, Backstreet Boys. The big two, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Backstreet Boys. It was a whole thing. You know what? It was coming out of what, for me, for my generation, was arguably the best decade in music. I mean, coming out of the grunge golden age and all that and all my sort of music heroes. Tail end of the 90s, the late 90s were, were a very dark time. We went straight in from boy bands to rap metal whatever that was that was it was a dark uh, time that was that was awkward i mean gwen stefani just she i feel i feel like she was the pinnacle of everything coming together at that yeah. point i was like she, she her rapping was like all the music styles of the era coming together i was like okay and and kind of falling apart it's like, <laughs> <laughs> musically it's like what the manson family did to close out the 60s it's like okay yeah. Let's just blow it all up. Uh, but it is, a, you You always touch on so many different overlapping worlds in this stuff that you write. I mean, last year with the film, it was all about, you know, it's a detective story. There's chess, there's strippers. Now it's like boy band, heist, a sort of one man's sort of internal monologue. It's, you always have these like overlapping themes. When you do these projects, by the way, how much of a different outlet is this for you than your standup is? I mean, when you're writing a screenplay, when you're writing a book, these side projects, are they sort of married together with your comedy or are these all sort of separate sides of you? I feel like it's all storytelling. So, I mean, it's all the same thing. Like if I'm writing jokes to go on stage and just tell them in front of audience, it's all just storytelling. It's, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll just, yeah. I just got to find out the form to, to write it in, like a script. What kind of form do I write it in? And for this, we wrote a script, but I mean, it was very, a lot of improv. You know what I mean? Like, this, like these guys, my, the guys who were helping me film it, they're rolling weed on the script and stuff like that. So I mean, <laughs> like the script was really nothing. It's just a storyline that really sells everything. Even with hip hop, like, uh, like I I rap too. So I mean, like I yeah. got like some songs that are story based. You know what I mean? And uh, it's all just you get a good story and just figure out how to tell it. That's all it is. 
It is true. And it's just sort of figuring out the beats. I mean, I love that. I mean, you know, curb your enthusiasm. That's what Larry David does is like, there is no script. There's like a few, there's like a beat sheet of like, here's a few story points that have to happen at some point, but how we get there doesn't really matter as long as it's Mm -hmm. funny and whatever happens happens. And you know, if it works, it stays. It's sort of, especially for comics, I think, because comics need to have that sort of, freedom to improvise and to roll in the moment whether it's film or on stage or whatever it is because i mean when you're doing stand-up that's what it is you you have your material but you're rolling with whatever happens in that room and whatever the energy of that crowd is and it becomes a completely different show than it was the night before you know but sometimes Uh, you can't write it you can't write what what happens in front of you know what i mean like exactly gold just happens that's right you just have to be open to it uh kevin christopher Always interesting talking to you because, again, you always have so many different plates that you're spinning. Uh, Before we let you go, where can we find you online? uh, And where can we, of course, see Man from Philadelphia? Well, we're going to have a screening uh, at the end of the month, uh, June 20th, 21st, and the 22nd. But follow my Instagram at OG Kevin Chris for updates and details of uh, location, secret location for now. Uh, But, yeah, just follow me on Instagram and I'll post it all there. OG Kevin Chris with the man from Philadelphia. And of course, as always, you can catch him on stage doing live stand-up, writing and books. Get my book. <laughs> there we go. Where can we find the book, by the way? We'll give that another book. The Queensway is on Amazon. There we go. The Queensway by Kevin Christopher. Follow him at OG Kevin Chris on Instagram. Go check out those screenings. Watch him live doing comedy. Kevin, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure talking to you. You always have so many good things on the go. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> there we go. Thank you again to our panel, Giuseppe, the MC, Leslie Seiler out in LA and here in Toronto, the Jack of all trades, Kevin Christopher. That is our show. Don't forget. You can listen to all of them right back to the beginning on global news online. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi and you're listening to my aunt Sandra Carusi's comedy RX. This week's comedy RX is Leslie Seiler. I'm kidding. I love my husband very much. And, you know, I was in the house with him for a year and a half. And I I love him. I do. I do. I'm not being facetious. I love him very much. I do. (laughs) It's just... I don't think that any one person is supposed to spend that much time with just one other person. You know? Yes, thank you. I guess I just thought that marriage vows were, I am beside you, you know, for better or for worse. Not, I am beside you for (laughs) 24-7. Listening to you breathe. Hearing you chew. Smelling every single thing that comes out of you. Can I at least stop saying bless you when he sneezes? Can we do that? Because when you're with somebody all day, they sneeze more than you think. I mean, it's like 10. It is. For my husband, it's like 10 times a day, times seven days a week, times 78 weeks at this point. That's like 5,460 bless yous. I haven't said anything 5,460 times during this pandemic other than you're muted. You're muted.